So good morning. So for all you bulletin readers, I was told this morning that I didn't look too much like Stephanie, but uh, <laughs> I'm still a Schultz, so that'll have to do. So, so this is the word from Mark 4, 1 through 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thanks. Well, good morning. A little over a month ago, the group ISIS, the Islamic State, posted a video online of them beheading 21 Coptic Christians from Egypt in the country of Libya. Among those 21 that were beheaded were the Kamel brothers, two brothers that were believers in Jesus Christ. They were killed. I heard an interview of their brother, their surviving brother, Bashir Kamel. He was thankful that they'd had a chance in the video, which I haven't seen and probably, hopefully none of us have seen. But in the video, they gave testimony to their faith in Jesus Christ. And Bashir was thankful that his brothers were able to do that. In this interview as well, he was asked how his family was doing. He said that he asked his own mother, Mom, if you met the ISIS man on the street who killed my two brothers, your two sons, what would you do? These were his words as he said, she answered me, I would ask God to open his eyes so he'd be saved. Then I'd invite him into our home because he helped us enter the kingdom of God. Then on the air, the brother prayed for ISIS to be saved. As I watched this interview and listened to the brother of these two men that had been killed and heard the words of the mother quoted by him, I was struck by the reality of this Egyptian family's faith. It, it really hit me that their faith seems to be of a different quality than the faith that I tend to see or that I tend to live out. There's a genuineness to it. It's not gold-plated that wears off in the wear and tear of life. There seems to be a faith there that's solid gold all the way through. And when I heard it, it made me long to have that kind of faith, a genuine kind of faith that can hold up under the pressures of life and not just survive, but really impact others for good as this family was doing as they were publicly testifying 
to their faith in God. In our passage today, in the parable of the sower, Jesus ends this section, verse 20, his explanation of the parable in this way. He says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Jesus is describing a life that is supernaturally blessed by God in a way that impacts others. He's describing a life that's a genuine faith, and that's the kind of faith that he wants us to have. I think that's what this parable of the sower is all about, that we might consider what it means to have a faith that prospers in the midst of the storms and the rains and the difficulties of life and actually bears fruit, fruit that blesses others. This is a life that has become bread for the world that others can feed off the life of Christ in us with God's supernatural power at work through us. So the question for us this morning is, how do we become like that? How do we develop a, a genuine faith? Now, we don't know more about the family and all, but Jesus says some profound things in this parable of the sower to help us consider what it means to have a true, genuine faith that can flourish in the midst of this crazy, messy painful world that we live in. Jesus tells us in our parable today, the parable of the sower, and his main point is this. It's all about how you listen. Pray with me. Lord, as my friend George Blakeman likes to pray, give us big ears today. (laughs) Ears that can truly take in your truth in a way that we might be good listeners that would change us, that would bear fruit in our lives. May we learn today what it means to be a good listener, that we might have lives that reflect genuine faith that transforms ourselves and others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question this morning for us is, what kind of listener are you? What kind of listener am I? Jesus begins by saying, the passage, he begins by saying, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them in many things and parables. I want to give you a picture of perhaps where Jesus spoke. This is called the Bay of Parables along the Sea of Galilee just outside Capernaum between Capernaum and Tabgah, the Seven Springs. It's a natural amphitheater. And if someone's out in a boat, they've done tests that thousands upon the shore could hear the voice of the one spoken on the water because it is naturally uh, acoustically sound. It's a wonderful place. And so probably that's where Jesus was when he got in the boat and began to teach in parables. What are parables? Parables are stories that communicate spiritual truth through the details of the story. Parables are prophetic. They're meant to confront us with truth, but it's not direct truth. It makes you think about the story, and then the truth, in a sense, sneaks in the back door while we're looking out the front and captures us with the truth of it. That's why Jesus spoke in parables. 
The parables are connected to everyday life, like this parable, the parable of the sower. Everybody understood that. People were agricultural there. They sowed their fields. They worked in their fields. And it's a reminder for us when Jesus uses parables that God is involved in everyday life. The everyday things of planting and sowing and cooking and going to work and all the things we do. He uses parables to connect us to everyday life, to remind us that God is in everything. He's involved in every aspect of our life. So when Jesus begins to speak this parable, his first word is this. Listen, akuete in the Greek. The Greek word for listen, this word, akuete, occurs 13 times in these 20 verses. What do you think the main idea is? Listen. Listen. It's all about how are we listening. It's challenging us to think about how's our hearing. (laughs) Do we really have big ears to hear? Are we really listening or just hearing? All four soils, it says, hear the word. They all hear it, but are they truly listening? Like a person who's at work and they're just told how to do a job and it's explained to them and they hear every detail and then they go out and do it their own way. (laughs) Are they really listening? I think not. So Jesus tells us this wonderful parable of the sower to help us think about our own lives and ask ourselves, am I really listening? Am I listening in a way that is changing my life? And do I have a real genuine faith? that can stand up under the most crazy circumstances of life. Now, the way the passage breaks down is the first nine verses, Jesus gives the parable. And then he goes aside with his disciples and a few others who come to him and say, tell us, tell us about the parable. They ask him specifically what's going on. And so he explains the parable in verses 13 and following. He gives the details and Jesus doesn't do that very often. Most of the time he gives a parable and we are left to figure out what the spiritual meaning is. But in this one, one of the few, he actually gives the meaning. It helps us understand all the parables from the way he explains this one. But right in the middle, there's verses 10 through 13. And in those verses at the center of the parable and the explanation, he He gives some teaching that we need to take a close look at. These are the center verses. Let me read those to you. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, unless... They should turn and be forgiven. What's the point of these verses? Why is this key? See, I think the parable of the sower may be the key to the entire book of Mark. And in these verses, I think what Jesus is wanting to demonstrate to us is that truly understanding, truly listening is dependent on coming to Jesus. Coming to him, listening to him, coming to ask him for wisdom and insight, depending on his life in us. Notice they come to him and say, teach us, man, we don't get what you're talking about. (laughs) And he says, ah, to you. 
has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. It's when we come to Him, you see, truly listening, in other words, is not about studying harder. It's not about understanding all the background and details. It's not about digging through and seeing an outline of the whole book. It's not about all that. That's not bad stuff. But truly listening is about coming to Jesus for the insight, depending on Him, so that the truth can penetrate deeply into the soils of our heart. When Jesus says these words and quotes Isaiah 7, it's not, He's not saying, God doesn't want you to understand. That's not what He's saying. But He wants us to see that it's impossible to truly understand real biblical truth and have a life that's growing and changing without the enlightening of the Spirit. So we must come to Him to understand. I think that's a key to the entire book of Mark. Are you listening to Jesus, coming to Him, depending on Him, letting His Word penetrate? It's like knowing to ski, knowing how to ski. If you want to learn how to ski, you can read about it in books all day, right? But you're not going to be a good skier that way. You've got to get up on the slopes and you've got to get with someone who knows how to ski who can show you that you can imitate and follow and be with as you learn how to ski. In a similar way, to understand biblical truth, we've got to be with Jesus. We've got to come to Him for understanding and life as He is our wisdom. He is our counselor. He is our life. You see, it's not that Jesus doesn't want us to understand. In fact, if you look closely at the parable... You'll see in verse 3 and 4, the the sower scatters the seed along the path, in the rocky places, everywhere. Now, this is not how a good farmer would sow, right? You sow the seed because the seed is precious. So you sow it in the places you know the soil is good and it will grow. But this sower scatters it everywhere. What does that tell us? That God wants all to hear the word. He gives everybody an opportunity. You see, it isn't that God doesn't want us to hear. In fact, he wants all of us to hear. As one commentator put it, the sower sows broadly and hopes that the good soil might be found. The sower sows broadly and hopes that the good soil might be found. And so the question as we look at this parable together is, are we, am I, are you good soil? What kind of listeners are we? And it's tempting, and I think we tend to do this, I've tended to do this, is look at this parable that talks about these four kinds of soils and try to figure out where so-and-so fits and this person fits and that person. And, you know, what kind of soil is that person over there? But I think Jesus' intent is not to try to categorize other people. It's to look at our own hearts. In fact, this is all about listening, Right? It's how we're listening to how God is speaking to us. And let me encourage you then as we go through this this morning to look at your own heart, to not use it to categorize others, but to think about yourself and what kind of soil are you, am I? First kind of soil is what I call a hard-hearted listener, the hard-hearted Listener, Verse 4, and ver- then the explanation of verse 15. Verse 4 says this, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then down in verse 15, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown 
in them. Think about this. The, the sower sows along the path. And what's a path? It's where people have walked, right? It's the ground is hard. It's been packed down. It's been tread upon. The seed can't penetrate. It sits on top of the ground. And as he says, Satan comes and steals the word away. The birds devour the seed. This is a heart that's been walked on. A heart that has been hardened by the struggles and difficulties of life. Simply has become impermeable to the seed. It can't go in. The word cannot penetrate. This is the kind of person who who has suffered in life and been hardened by that suffering. Their attitude is, I've been hurt in the past. I'm going to be so tough, nothing can ever hurt me again. I'm going to lock my heart in a box and let no one ever get to it. I will run my own life. I will live my, by my own agenda. Like the man who I met with, he grew up in a very harsh, difficult home. His dad would fly off the handle for no reason. He never knew when his dad walked through the door whether he would bring a present or a belt. His way of dealing and coping with that kind of life was to grit his teeth and say, no one will ever hurt me again. I will never be vulnerable again. But as his relationships as an adult would never work and began to fall apart, he couldn't experience real intimacy. His marriage fell apart. As he struggled, he had to begin to face what kind of heart he had allowed to develop. You see, the trouble is God's word can't penetrate such a heart. It bounces right off and gets snatched away by Satan. There's no fruit in the life of a hard-hearted listener. And over time, the person grows harder and harder and colder and colder and can't bear fruit or bless others. The question for us today, for each one of us, am I a hard-hearted listener protecting myself from pain? The second kind of soil is a shallow listener, the rocky soil, verses 5 and 6, and then 16 and 17 is the explanation. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Then in verse 16, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. See, this rocky soil. This is soil with no depth, no place for the roots to take hold and go deep and get strong. It says they receive the word with joy. They are excited about it. Hey, this is great stuff. This is the truth. They commit their lives to Jesus. But then when difficulties come, things begin to fall apart. They've jumped in with both feet, but there's no good soil. There's no depth to the soil so they can take root. I was at Zamzo's yesterday, and I talked to a gentleman there about part of my lawn that just won't grow grass. It's underneath our maple trees. 
And I described what, what happens. I've been trying to plant grass there, and it sort of comes up for a while, and it dies. And he said, you've got to add more soil. There's no soil there. The tree roots are preventing the grass from taking root. You've got to have good soil there, or you cannot grow what you want to grow. You see, that's the picture here of a shallow listener. They spring up for a time, but when the heat comes, the heat of marriage struggles, the heat of financial difficulties, the heat of relational difficulties, sin struggles, or as he says, persecution, uh, being made fun of because of your faith at work, or being rejected by your family because you're trying to live your life for Christ. And a shallow listener cannot handle that. Their faith is shallow. And their attitude is, this is not what I signed up for, God. If you're a loving God, how could you let this happen to me? Now, we all struggle with that, right? All of us do. But a shallow listener gets stuck right there and cannot go deeper. Shallow listener says, I thought you loved me and you were going to bless me. And I don't get it, God. And they get stuck. I've told the story several times of my first few years as a believer. When I came to Christ at age 17, I was so excited. I sprang up with joy. It was wonderful. And I remember saying to God several times during those first few years, Wow, Lord, if this is Christianity, this is awesome. (laughs) I've got new friends. I'm enjoying the Word. I'm in fellowship. This is great. And then I went through a period of about nine months where... I was just struggling. I was frustrated. Nothing seemed to work. I was depressed. Things were falling apart outwardly in some of my key relationships, and I got more and more discouraged. And I literally said to the Lord, Lord, I quit. (laughs) Christianity doesn't work. I'm out of here. Now, by God's grace, two days later, he allowed a semi-driver to fall asleep while I was driving down the highway and run into me, and that's a whole other story. But what it did is it shook me awake. And I was a shallow listener up to that point. But the Lord began to work in my heart to take me deeper, to plow the ground so that His Word could begin to take root in me. But a shallow listener never ends up bearing fruit because they never do go deep in God's love for them. They never really grasp the power of the cross that... Jesus' love is so clear in the cross that no matter what's happening circumstantially, I know God loves me. Because the God of the universe took my sin on himself and bore it on the cross. And if God loves me that way, then I'm going to cling to him no matter how hard life gets. But a shallow listener never goes there. Just shakes his fist at God. They may be on fire for the Lord for a while, but then... They demand that life go well, and it's not going well, so they quit. Now, they may still go to church, but they're living a withered Christian life with no real fruit. There's no spiritual growth, no real impact on others. And so Jesus' question for you and me today is, am I a shallow listener? Do I not let the word go deep? Can I cling to him and have faith in him even when life is hard? The third soil Jesus points out and challenges us with because he wants us to look at our hearts is the crowded soil, the crowded listener. The third soil, verse 7, 
and verse 18 and 19. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. See, these are the listeners who start out well, who have some root to them, who begin to cling to the Lord and exercise some faith. They start out well. They seem to be walking with God. But then, you know, life is just crazy. It's tough. It begins to press in and the cares of this world begin to take over and distract. After all, there's so much to deal with in this life, right? I mean, if we're going to live here, we've got to do all this stuff. So he mentions three areas, Jesus does, that tend to choke out the word so it never bears fruit. The first area, the first weed that chokes out the word is the cares of this world, he says. You know, the worries that take us over. We, we begin to worry about, well, what if something happens financially? Or, or what if this happens? Or that happens? Or what am I going to do in my old age? And how am I going to pay the bills and insurance and I've got all the stuff I have to maintain and it breaks down and I get worried about that. And we find these worries of the world begin to consume us and they choke out our dependence on God instead of depending on him and trusting in his life. Yes, we have to deal with that stuff. I get that. But do we worry about it in a way that it chokes out our faith in God? Is our trust in him or in those things, the cares of the world, they can easily crowd out the word and keep us from trusting God and living for others. The second area, the second weed, he says, can choke out the word is the deceitfulness of riches. The world lies to us constantly and says peace, security, life is in money. Your security is in money. You need to depend on money. It's the things you have that are the key to happiness. And money promises to provide happiness. That's the lie. That's the deceitfulness of riches that makes us think that depending on them is what we really need to be happy and to have life. All through the scripture, this is brought up again and again because our hearts so easily get led astray by this lie. This soil, the crowded soil, this kind of listener buys the lie. Really thinks that it's things, it's money that is where security comes from. The third weed, he said, that grows up is the desires for other things. The word other is literally the rest. You know, I've got this much stuff, but I need the rest. (laughs) I need more. I I can't be content with what I have. I need the rest. I need more. The grass is greener on the other side. It's this discontentment in life. You see, the world, uh, the advertisers of our world promote that, right? I mean, that's the constant. Be discontent. You can have it now. Uh, it struck me that they used to, when they advertised cars, they used to advertise, <clears throat> this is how much the car costs. Every once in a while you get that. But now it's, 
here's how much you can pay per month to buy the car or to get a lease or whatever. In other words, even if you don't have the money, you can have it now. Be discontent with what you have. And our world runs on debt and credit card debt, etc. Because it's this discontentment, desire for other things. Yeah, you should be discontent, but you can have it now. Jesus says these three areas, worldly worries, thinking money's the key to happiness, and discontentment with what you have, are weeds that grow up and choke the good plant so it never, ever bears fruit. And brothers and sisters, let's be honest. This is the soil of American Christianity. This is the soil we all have grown up in. So many of us have a faith where the very life of God is being choked out by our materialism. I struggle with this. I don't know how we can't. Because the, it, it, the deceitfulness is all around us. The lie is all around us. To learn to truly be free is hard. So, so the good, good plant gets choked out. You know, I think I'm doing pretty well a lot of times. But then a car breaks down and I've got to put a bunch of money into it or something else happens and I start to get insecure and I get anxious. And it reveals something about my heart that there's still too much of me that depends not on the Lord and His grace and His goodness and His care for me, but I depend on things. So the question for us is, are we crowded listeners? Is the word being choked out by the things of this world? The fourth soil is a good listener. Jesus says this, starting in verse 8, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then the explanation in verse 20, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Good soil, beautiful soil. The word for good there is kalos. It's a word for beauty. It's quality. It's wonderful soil. What makes quality soil with real depth to it? Well, one of the components of good soil, I happened to look this up online. I I wanted to know, okay, what, what are those who really know what quality soil is about? So I looked on some extension sites and some things, and one of the things they said is what makes for really good soil, one of the most important components is organic matter. I thought about that. And they talked about how organic matter is living things, dead things, and really dead things. <laughs> There has to be some living matter, organisms, bacteria, etc., worms. <laughs> you know, there has to be living matter. But then there has to be dead stuff, leaves and other things that are decaying, that are in the process of decomposition. But there also needs to be really dead stuff, <laughs> stuff that's already decomposed, but it's been broken down into the soil. And I, I'm not saying that Jesus was thinking this, okay? But I kind of like the analogy. If we're going to be good soil, we have to have living things. We have to have the Spirit of God living in us, and we have to be t- 
depending on his life. His life has to be at the center of what we do. There has to be that organic life connection with the Spirit of God in us. And there has to be stuff that's dying, stuff that we're putting to death, those things that we tend to depend on other than the Lord. And when we see them, we confess our sin and we put it out of our life and we struggle against it. We continue to battle those things so that there are dying things in us. And then there's really dead stuff, stuff that we've dealt with that we realize we cannot let live it all in us because it will lead us away from God. And so we have put it to death. There needs to be organic matter in us for soil to be good. Do we have a heart where God's life is moving, convicting, changing? We're putting to death certain things and we're learning to trust in Jesus alone. Good soil also takes being plowed up by God. It means it's been loosened from the hardness of our hearts, which we all have. Good soil, it's been churned up, so the hard things of life plow us up. You see, good soil, hard things don't harden you. As has been well said, an analogy, the same hot water that softens the carrot hardens the egg. God puts us all in hot water. But do we get softened? By it? Do we, do we run to Jesus through the hard things and cling to him and trust him more because of the hard stuff? Or do we get angry and demanding because of the hard stuff, the hot water we're in, and we get hardened by it and become hard-hearted soil? That's the challenge. Are we hardened or softened by the trials? And he says good soil receives the word, accepts the word, that The word he uses there, there's a number of words in Greek for accept or receive. And this one means, in a sense, to embrace, to grab onto. Do we accept the word? Do we take it deep within us? Not that we just enjoy learning. Ah, I love, yeah, learning about the word. But no, we take it deep within us. We embrace it. And we look at it this way. When we hear the word, when we read the word, it isn't just an intellectual exercise, you know, but it makes that long trip from the head to the heart where we say, this word is for me. God's speaking to me. This is a living word for me. God, what are you saying to me in this word? You see, that's having a heart that is good soil that takes it deep inside and applies the word personally to me. And chooses to trust God more and live out the word. And the result, he says, is 30, 60, 100-fold fruitfulness. I want to show you a stock of wheat. Now, people have said, well, sometimes, you know, scientists can produce a head of wheat that produces 100-fold whatever. Uh, In Jesus' day, a typical stock of wheat would produce 7 to 10 grains from one seed. So when Jesus is saying 30, 60, 100-fold, he's saying this is supernatural. This is a life blessed by God. I think he's maybe have in mind Genesis 26, verse 12, where it says that Isaac was blessed by God and had a crop of 100-fold. And he became rich. God blessed him in every way. In other words, Jesus is saying 
Good soil that takes the word in and says, this is for me, applies it to myself and begins to act on it is a life that God blesses a hundredfold so that we can become bread for the world that others can feed on. You see, it isn't just for us. <laughs> when a stock produces 30, 60, 100 fold, it's so others can eat of this wonderful food, this bread that he's given us. Some final thoughts from this parable. The kingdom is about the word. The word is important. It's valuable. That's why we preach it. We teach it. We read it. We encourage you to read it because it is what makes the kingdom grow. But what makes it grow is how you listen. Are you good soil that takes it deep inside and lets it penetrate and begins to live it out? Our fruitfulness depends on how we listen. And then God blesses us so that we might become a blessing to others. You see, God is, is creating a new human race from all the peoples of the earth. He wants the, his life to be flourishing in us. A people who are bearing fruit, whose lives are being changed, and others are seeing Christ in us and feeding off that life. We're becoming bread for the world. And the whole key to becoming part of that is how we are listening to the word. Are you and I good soil or not? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for how your word penetrates the hardness of our hearts. May it go deep in us and may we turn to you for insight and wisdom. May we depend on you in a deeper way and may your word drive us in the hard, difficult things of life, not to become harder, but rather to be softened, to become a soil that you can go deep into and produce life in us. And Lord, now as we turn together as your body, the body of Christ, to take communion together, to celebrate this great feast, we're reminded, Lord, that you are the bread of life, that as we feast on you, as we depend on you, as we eat from you, as we devour your life, daily, then you begin to produce fruit in us that others can eat from so that we might become the bread of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.